You're listening to an all-new episode of Off the Rails with Sloppy Yellow. Views and opinions expressed here reflect hardcore fan perspectives and sometimes might be factual. Be advised, this podcast may contain adult language. Well, Billy Bradley, your ass has been off work for the last two days on the golf course, drinking free beer and running around like a damn crazy man. And uh, I'm, and God bless you, son. Uh, getting up at 4 a.m. to go to work every day is not a fun thing, but I know you've been chomping at the bit to talk about the Talladega race. Let's just get right in it. I thought the Talladega race was a great race. I thought it was. It had a lot of strategy in it, a lot of good moves. Everybody was up on the tip early, for Christ's sake. I couldn't imagine being Rob Lopes and the guys in the damn pits. Cause it's every time, lap one, there's a wreck. There's one, I thought I was watching the market race for some, for some, you know, some reason here for the first 20 or 30 laps. But I thought there was lots of action. There was people trying to make things happen. Bubba Wallace impressed me, Billy Bradley, because yep, he, was, yep. he was forcing the action. He, he wasn't doing anything really stupid. But he, but he was he was making moves and and he and he let everybody know that he was there to race. I like that. Um, I, I just I thought it was a great race from a from a bunch of different standpoints. But you are super 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 ready to talk about this yellow line, son. What you got? Yeah, man. I'm a. You know, you just said it right there. A Talladega was a. It was an amazing race from lap one all the way to the. What was it? Two. Uh, green white checkers we ended up with but yeah. i mean whatever it was the the race was amazing all the way through and that's exactly what we should be talking about yeah. right to this point today we still should be talking about what an amazing race we saw at talladega there was strategy all the way throughout the field uh you know just like you said bubba wallace i like to bust his ass more than anybody to our old pal jimmy wags Bubba Wallace drove that car up the front, got it out front for a while, and, you know, he got turned into the wall. But, you know, that's a whole story on its own. But here we are to the day still talking about this double yellow line. <laughs> hey, uh, Billy, I'm going to stop you right there for just a second. But, Billy Bradley, here's what here's what I have to say about the yellow line. Dale Jr. had the, the – the, the statement of, of the night. Like, we just need to get rid of this. Through. I mean, they enforced the rule the way it was. We need to get rid of it. And and my only problem is NASCAR created this problem and continues to have this problem because of their enforcement or lack thereof of enforcement. If they would start the weekend strong, and if you go behind below the yellow line, you just – I don't care if it's what driver you want to pick. It just, just take them both out. In fact, if you're going to have the stupid yellow line, you've got to call it. It's like an umpire not calling balls and strikes, just letting it go. And, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Somebody's got to make a call every time, and we've got to know why. And if it's, if it's too much of a judgment call, get rid of the damn line. I mean, I don't know what the difference is. They're going behind the, below the, the yellow line anyways when you're coming around through there. I mean, Rob, what do you think? You're the only guy in the professional series here. What, what, what do you think about the yellow line? Uh, well, I, I think it has its merits, but like you said, it's turned into a very objective judgment call thing that happens, um, and inevitably it always comes down to having to make a judgment call coming to the checkered. And after some conversation with a few other fellas, in my line of work, 
after Sunday's race. At this point, get rid of the yellow line rule, and if somebody wants to drive through the infield, then let them do it. More power to them. And because, I mean, based on Sunday's race, what are we going to do, tear up more stuff than we did? Yeah. yeah. They didn't I mean, half the, field, half the field looks like it got dropped off the tailgate. Yeah. I mean, those cars were destroyed. The 18, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, if you want, you want to talk about the Perseverance Award, that <laughs> son of a gun, his car was a mess. I mean, yeah. destroyed. And the 18 bunch did a great job keeping him in the game, keeping him on the lead lap. The car was competitive until it finally, you know, they finally put a, got a bullet put in, put in his head, and yes. the car was destroyed. But he was hanging tough with a car that was junk. I mean, yeah. junk. The whole car another car, same thing. 88 was another car that had huge damage and managed to stay in the fight. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think they were going to win, but they could follow. They stayed in the draft, and they could keep up. So, but. And I got a question that would be fair to ask is, you know, they're saying the yellow line is, you know, to help uh, keep them from wrecking and all that. But as a fan for several, several years, I would be afraid to question is wouldn't be afraid. The yellow lines probably caused more wrecks than it would prevent by getting rid of the damn thing. Like, I don't understand that yellow line. At, but, you you make a good point, Billy, because at this point, uh, if you get forced below the yellow line, then it's a judgment call on if you got forced. Mm-hmm. And we saw that happen Sunday. If you go below the yellow line to avoid a wreck, you've gone down there on your own, and you get penalized. And it, yeah. it's almost a situation where, okay, I have to hold my ground. I know my left sides are on the yellow line. I hold my ground. I get door slammed, yeah. and, I, and now – I'm part of a wreck or I've caused a big wreck because I didn't give way. I didn't make room for somebody, you know, for something that was happening. And, you know, so it it opens things up to like you guys were saying earlier, judgment call situation, especially on the last lap and throughout the race, because it happened a couple of times. Yeah. And it, Mm -hmm. and it, and you make a point with causing wrecks. I mean, if, if you, if you're limited to where you can go to escape, yeah. You know, or, or 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 give the guy room that's that might be wrecking, you know, yeah. coming down on you real hard, you know, and he doors you and shoves you into the grass or shoves you down, you know, into no man's land and you know, he's wrecked, you're wrecked, you and, and okay, you save it and you, and you lose spots. Do they give you your spots back because you got fourth down there? No. no they do yeah. on the last lap. They do on the last lap they do, but not during yeah. the race. Well, here's the thing, and we we mentioned this last year, and it seems like we talk about this every year, but Martinsville doesn't have that fucking problem because they have a curb down there. But you can't do that at Talladega. You put a curb at Talladega, there's going to be stuff launching into orbit. Yeah, it's going to be bad. And and so I with with and I I go back to enforcement. If NASCAR is going to have this rule, they have to make sure not one fucking inch of that tire goes below the yellow line. 
and we, 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 I mean, I, you, you just got to call it, and they don't call it consistently. And so here we come to the end of the race. Everybody's watching it, but they've, they've, they've called it differently for most of the race. And all of a sudden now that yellow line means something. Then they got to go back to the tape, and they got to do this. And quite frankly, if Chase Elliott doesn't get out of the damn way or Denny Hamlin, if they don't get out of the damn way down there, I, they cause the a fucking wreck at the front of the field. I mean, I think it's ridiculous to have the rule and then be not enforce it every time that something happens. I mean, every fucking time it, somebody t- goes below that yellow line, I don't give a shit if they've advanced their position or not. The only way to make this thing right is to, if you go below the yellow line, no matter what, you're out of there. And then if our judgment, you forced somebody down there, then your ass is going back. I mean, I, that's the only way to do it. Otherwise, it's going to be the same thing. And I make would it, go on it, to say make it for both of them. Make it for both. Yeah, exactly. Make agree. it for both. And really? I would go on to say that you know NASCAR put itself in the position to make all these calls because they penalized the twenty-two. He blocked all fucking year. I mean, so what? And you're going. I don't know. I don't. I think had they not called the twenty-two early in the race and put themselves in the position, we wouldn't seen the calls at the end of the race that we saw because those were very questionable calls very questionable calls and 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 i gotta be honest with you i'm glad that uh, again i I wouldn't have a question if it was my if 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 dado was in charge this would be easy did your tire go below did any part of your tire go below the southernmost part of that yellow line yes or no yes all right your ass is out did anybody force him down or did come close to it or even remotely close? Yes, put his ass out there too. If you're going to have that line and, and, and for the almighty safety reason, which I don't believe, Billy, because on the last lap it happens every fucking race at Talladega. If we're going to say, if we're going to use the word safety as the reason to have this bullshit rule, then use it. It's like letting Bubba Wallace throw a fucking football during the damn lightning strike. I mean, I, you were either playing safe or we're not. But, but NASCAR, NASCAR has created this bullshit, and they've got to get themselves out of it. Just like if you remember that stupid line, yellow line across the back of the track, you know, that was a halfway point or some shit. They tried, and they're like, oh, my God, no, this is terrible. Let's get, let's get rid of this thing. They need to do something because now – it, it's this has gone on too long, and we're we're still talking about this, and there's no reason why we should be talking about this. Not um, after the race we saw on Sunday, we should not be talking. But that's all anybody is talking about. Even fans that just want, I mean, there's several fans that I have some in my family that just watch these races, Talladega yeah. and Daytona, and yeah. that's that's all they're talking about. Like it ain't the fact that. What a race we saw because it was. Uh, it is way too good of a race to have it to have it in like this. And and, and, I, and I'll tell you something, Billy. The fact that that they changed Chase Elliott's position and gave it back to. I mean, they took it away. He was down to twenty second. Then they gave it back to him like two hours after the race. We can't have shit like that in big-time auto racing. Well, let's talk about um, the day the number six team uh, had in, 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 the, in the 17. Uh, they played a very uh, smart race, Billy. Uh, they, all of a sudden, I looked up, and Chris Buescher was up there, and I said, damn it, Billy's going to kick himself right square in the ass for not picking his favorite driver, um, his, his favorite dark horse here. <laughs> I picked the six. Uh, the six, I thought, 
you know, um, you, you got these wily coyotes, uh, these veterans that always seem to be up there at the at the front towards the end of these races. And uh, and and Rob, it looked like this one kind of worked out for both of you guys there. So, Rob, what did what, did you guys have a predetermined strategy going in there, or is that just kind of the way the race unfolded for the sixteen? No, that is Ryan's strategy. He he will take his track position as he gets it, and but it's one of those things where if he's not going to be all if he's not going to be on the point, and he sees that the racing is getting crazy, which we saw throughout the day. He and there was quite a few others that just bailed out and went to the back. You saw the four at the back all day, yeah. the 11 at the back all day. And, like, there was a point where we were worried about losing the draft. Yeah. And the, but we, he saw what was going on. It was, it was all planned that, hey, I'm going to ride around until later in the race when it's time to go. And, it, you know, and as the cautions fell, it bunched everybody up late in the race. And, and he was ready to go. And in fact, uh, I think we finished sixth um, yeah. and probably had a really good shot at a better finish. But there was some craziness going on up front. And it, uh, he, was, he was there, but saw what was happening. And there was really, with everything that was going on, with the lane changes that were happening, some of the moves that were happening, I don't think we, were, we weren't in position to try to make a charge around everything. Yeah. Um, so, but we were up front and again, that was all part of the strategy. The 17 took a little bit different strategy. They stayed in the pack all day. I think they won a stage. Um, and you know, and that's, that's their deal. That's where they're comfortable. Ryan chooses to, Hey, you don't get, you don't get awarded for anything throughout the race. You got to finish. So that, and that's his thing. And it, and it works for us. I mean, it, it, every speedway race, we've done that, and it's worked for us. I mean, yeah. and, and in all honesty, not to revisit anything ridiculous or too far away, but should, by all by all rights, in, even in the Daytona 500 this year, he did yeah. the same thing, yeah. and we should have been Daytona 500 champions. We were about 200 it, yards away from winning that race. Yeah, exactly. Look where you're at at the, at the end of the, two, uh, the Daytona 500. I, 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 I had to say. And that, and that really, and in all honesty, that had a great effect on our entire season. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that. That's a that's a difficult thing beyond the. <laughs> I mean, that's all of a sudden, you know, nobody gave a shit about racing um, yeah. uh, for 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 a long time, and and that uh, and, and 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 not just not just fans of the six team. Uh, hey, Rob, I have fans. a question because the, this race seemed very to me. Did you think that race was extremely long? It was extremely long. Two red, flags, two red flags, a record number of cautions. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. As soon as they wrecked coming off of two, or, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. I guess the, 90, Three, the 95 turnaround ended his day. Yeah. Ended his day right. on lap one before they came back. Before they came back after taking the initial green, the yep. 95's day was over. And yeah. and I had that thought in my head. I went, wow. I'm like, today's going to be one of those days. I can see it already. <laughs> and, I mean, two red, two red flags, big wrecks, a lot of cars with heavy damage. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, yeah, that race did take a long time. I think it had to be, what, five hours, five and a half it was, hours? It had to be five hours. It was, uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, 
I, I don't like red flags. However, if I was at the stands drunk as hell, those red flags would have come in handy, Billy Bradley. So um, I, I'm not <laughs> I, I, I was at home. So, I, I you know, they, they got a little it did get a little long. But I, Talladega racing, I'm here for it all day. Uh, I, I, that's my favorite race of the entire year is when we get the two times we go to Talladega, um, the two times we go to Daytona, Martinsville, Bristol. I don't miss anything out of those out of those racetracks because they're just phenomenal. The strategy at those places are, and I'm all about strategy. I like to watch the strategy. Everybody had something different, and and to see how the six, the seventeen, the the, the eleven, uh, um, you know, the nine for Pete's sake. I mean, and I mean, the, Rob said it earlier. What the eighty eight and the eighteen did was by far the most amazing thing that happened in that race, and it's going to get overlooked. But those guys were wheeling it like crazy. They couldn't – they had – I mean, they were racing a different way, Billy. Bubba Wallace was up there making moves. And Alex Bowman and, and the 18 had the car to do that before they got in trouble. And then they just – they drove like – they probably drove the hardest they drove in a long damn time just to stay relevant up there at the front and that sort of thing because they were doing what they had to do to make the playoffs. And, and now the 18 is out of the playoffs. We, we're going to uh, the Roval, which is a, a crazy thing. And, and there's just – the, the way we've got this, this, this schedule and the season broken down is, is, is amazing. We've got to talk about um, silly season. I, I've said this several times over the last couple of years, Billy, but this is absolutely the silliest season we have ever seen in the history of NASCAR. And I'm including – <laughs> We got Michael Jordan yeah, coming in. It's 50 years. It's Why crazy. And, and I got to say something. I Fire think motors. it's fair to say, and I think you all guys would agree with me, by this time last year, we pretty much knew where everyone was going. You, you've about no had doubt. to in the sport. Just yep. to get, I mean, because we're starting right back up in February, a few months. They have to get that merchandise out. It's yeah. going to be weird to see how that shit happens with this pandemic era and, and all this stuff that we're going to get to Daytona in February and like everybody's going to want Bubba Wallace, Michael Jordan gear. And yeah, are they even going to have it? Shit. They better get, they better hurry the hell up. We don't know. We, we just found out this week that Justin Marks has leased a charter from Spire Motorsports, Billy Bradley. Yes, Spire Motorsports has not one, not two, but three damn charters, and they're bidding on others. I I understand, but the uh, the the seventy seven from Spire is leased to Justin Marks for Trackhouse Motorsports or whatever with um, the ninety nine car. Um, it, it actually, what I saw, it actually kind of looked pretty cool. I but gotta Daniels, stop you. I gotta stop you right here. What's that? You just said Spire Motorsports. Yep. Three charters. Three. Three. Ralph <laughs> has how many, Rob? Two. Two. Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing has four, which is the max. And yep. Spire fucking Motorsports has three. Yeah. And Let's this is... put our money together and uh, buy a charter. This is why, it, 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 Billy, that's exactly what I'm getting ready to touch on. These guys at Spire Motor, Ty Norris, he's been in the business since the day he was born, I think. The guy is sharp as a fucking whip. That, those guys over there, 
have figured out a way to manipulate NASCAR's idiotic charter system and all this other stupid shit so that they can feed their families. And they're making a pretty damn good profit off of cleaning up scraps from people who are losing money out of here. Spire's going around getting sponsorship, getting, I mean, they ain't paying Justin Haley a shit ton of money. They ain't paying, um, um, anybody a shit ton of money, but they're, they're hell. They've got a victory under their belt. They got more victories under their belt than Richard Petty Motorsports has in the last twenty years. And and I and I'm I'm very 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 impressed how these guys who love racing have been able to make a damn living at this. I mean, we see guys like. Um, I mean, hell, the the guy front row or um, furniture row motors go out of business. These guys have nothing. They're fairly. I mean, they're on the track. I'll put it that way. They're not contending for race wins or anything, but they're they're making a go out of it and they're paying their bills. And I'm I'm happy to see it. I also wouldn't mind if they changed this charter system bullshit because it seems odd to me. But damn, Spire's got uh, uh, they 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 got a. Uh, a charter. They leased it to Justin Marks. Justin Marks has got Daniel Suarez money. They're going cup racing, and good for those guys. I don't know how it all works, but damn it, they're they're making it work. Daniel Suarez has got money. We know that he's going to ride somewhere, and now we know where he's going to be next year. I don't know. Alex Bowman is going to the 48. The 48 is an iconic um, number. It's one of only three numbers in NASCAR that has seven <laughs> championships in it. Uh, Billy, we all we all figured, uh, you know, sometime a month or so ago that, uh, you know, when when the article came out with Jenna Fryer about Kyle Larson and what he has been doing very quietly behind the scenes. Uh, we all knew he was going somewhere. Hendrick Motorsports is being awful quiet. I got to believe that that he's going to – Alex Bowman is going to 48. Um, they're probably protecting that brand. They're going to bring in a new number or or, or, or a very old number. And, and I, I mean, is there any – do you have – if you were to give it a percent from zero to 100%, what is the percent Kyle Larson is racing for Hendrick Motorsports next year, Billy? I, I first thought he was going to the 14 mm-hmm. to place Clint Boyer with Tony Stewart, but now I'm about 70% sure with all the moves being made, the you know, Alex Bowman going to the 48 with Ally, the you know the iconic Hendrick Motorsports may be making a change to get Larson in, maybe even a new, maybe not even the number five. They may go something else to give him a fresh restart of his career that the guy needs. I mean, yeah, Kyle Larson screwed up. This is America. We all screw up, make mistakes. You own your mistakes, get them back, prove that you've done it, and, you know, we welcome him back. Billy, I'm going to say this right now. It's going to be very controversial, but can you remember – what what a, do you remember uh, any announcement when Bob Levine came into the sport? No, no, of course you don't. But you know exactly when Michael Jordan came into the sport, don't you? Yeah, exactly. You know exactly when Daniel Suarez got a new ride from Justin March, don't you? Yes. Because NASCAR absolutely brought the news out that ju- that Trackhouse was coming online. 
they did that for one reason and one reason only, because Daniel Suarez is, uh, is an international driver. They uh, welcomed Michael Jordan in. I mean, he's <laughs> maybe the most famous, Muhammad Ali, uh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, there's only iconic. a few people in the world, iconic names known everywhere. But I find it fucking ridiculous that NASCAR steps on their pecker every fucking chance they can about dumb shit, but, but by God, they're going to make everybody know how not racist they are by, by promoting the shit out of Bubba Wallace, even, even um, hurting Bubba Wallace, in my opinion. Uh, we're we're going to bring Michael Jordan in. Oh, my God. Yes. And, I mean, it's just fucking ridiculous. But, but why didn't they do that for Bob Levine? Why don't they do that for uh, – I don't remember them announcing on their Twitter page and their Instagram page and their website that Spire Motorsports is coming. They don't give a shit about that. They never have given a shit about it. Oh, up until now, because Kyle Larson said the N-word in, in, during a pandemic and got them all realizing that they should have been doing this shit 20 years ago. They should have been definitely doing this shit 10 years ago when they had the opportunity when they got rid of the Confederate flag or, or offered that program. And now they realize they fucked up and they are just like these far left white liberals that are stepping all over them fucking self to show everybody how unracist they are when all they have to do is just fucking let it play out and let it go. I, on the one hand, I'm glad that they recognize that they're fucking failures for their, their policy for the last However, up, up until 2020, but mm. Jesus Christ, this, I mean, they, they've got to be a little bit smarter about how they do this because they are literally making themselves now part of the story. So what happens next year when, when Daniel Suarez and Bubba Wallace are, have a, fo, a, a, a get, get, there's, so there's a yellow line rule with both of those guys, and somehow they see it. Well, some dumb son of a bitch is going to point to the fact that they, uh, they've got some kind of a special uh, treatment because you've got a minority in here. And the reason I'm saying that is because I'm telling you, because NASCAR is getting in the business of promoting new teams like this, they're setting themselves up for failure. They should stay the fuck out of it and just say, hey, we're glad they're on. Congratulations. But they literally put out the fucking press release on this thing for, for, for Daniel Suarez. They're stepping into territory that is going to get them fucked up. And they're gonna, they, they think they're doing the right thing, just like all these other people out here that think, you know, um, Black Lives Matter, we're going to burn down some fucking buildings, which is not what you're, that's not furthering the cause whatsoever. I, they're, they're stepping in very, very dangerous territory. And if somebody else brings in a new team this year or buys a charter or something like that, you watch Billy Bradley, I guarantee they don't do shit about it. And NASCAR is making themselves, look, all I do as a business owner is, is manage risk. That's all I do. I don't give a shit about anything. I don't want to be sued. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want anything. I manage risk all day long. That's it. My only and number one job. These guys are stepping on their peckers with both fucking feet, and I, it drives me bananas to see these people. Just they. They can't get out of their own damn way. But I will say this: Kyle Larson is one hundred percent coming back. NASCAR has, and, and, and Hendrick Motorsports has invested money and time into these programs to get minority kids up and running. And Billy, we said this uh, within the first dozen podcasts we had at Dirty Mo Media, uh, the fact that Bubba Wallace can't get sponsorship back then 
was fucking ridiculous. It was, it was ridiculous. There was no way that kid shouldn't have had sponsorship before any of all this drama started. Like, they should have been lined up at the fucking door. And now all of a sudden. I'm afraid it's going to happen to this kid. I'm telling you, I believe deep down, two to three years, these sponsors that he's bringing in, do I want it to happen? Absolutely not. Because I think Bubba Wallace is great for the sport of NASCAR, but I don't see these sponsors like Columbia, DoorDash, or the other. I don't see them lasting long. Three years tops. They're going to have to. Um, they're listen. I, I, I wish them all well. NASCAR is making a very big deal about it in the wrong way, right. in my opinion. I, 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 I'm, I'm, they should welcome them in with open arms. They should be proud of this fact that there's an avenue to have some, um, you know, some uh, minority drivers and that sort of thing in here. But they better be, they better be careful. They better be careful with, with, with how they do this. And so we know Daniel Suarez is going. We think we know where – um, we know where Alex Bowman's going. He's staying put. We know. We think we know where Kyle Larson's going. Matt DiBenedetto gets signed today for 2021 uh, for the for the the 21 team over there at the Wood Brothers. Now, Billy Bradley, I say right now to you and to Rob Lopes and everybody listening, if Matt DiBenedetto doesn't win a race between now and the end of 2021, why the fuck are we begging him to stay in a sport? Man, that's a good question. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, even like, I definitely he shows his emotion, but I don't know, Dan. I don't have an answer for that question. Well, here's the thing, Billy. He's riding in in Penske. I mean, he's he's with the Wood Brothers. He's got good equipment. It ain't like he's out there driving fucking junk. And, and I don't get – listen, he's a nice guy. I get it. But if you're not on the track and you're not bringing a shit ton of money, what are we upset about? I mean, this is 2020. If you don't have a big pile of sponsorship money in your back pocket and you don't produce on the on the racetrack, I don't get why everybody thinks it's a damn travesty that he's not – he doesn't know what his future is going to be. If he wants to do it, he's got to get out there and do something to make people realize that he's good enough to be there. Obviously, it came down to the wire. And fact of the matter is, I said last week, or I don't know if I said this last week or not, but we got six. We got six road courses next year. Uh, Austin Cindric is pretty damn good at the road courses, if you haven't noticed. Uh, but 2022 or 2021 is going to be a weird year. Uh, with with it's going to be the last year of these bodies. I think everybody's going to start fresh in 2022. Uh, but Rob, I, I got to before we go about um, Clint Boyer and Eric Jones. Actually, let's talk about that. I, I don't know where Eric Jones goes. I I just, I just don't. At this point, I, I was convinced he was going to. Uh, that he was likely going to Hendrick, and uh, uh, I said if he wasn't going to Hendrick, Kyle Larson was, and that he would probably go to Richard Petty Motorsports. I still think he may go to Richard Petty Motorsports, and, but Clint Border today gave a, an interview with Bob Parker's Billy. He doesn't sound like he's super certain <laughs> that he's coming back in the 14. I don't, what's going to happen there? Is he staying or what? The way the you can never tell with Clint Border the way he. That's true. Goose off too, like he may have the deal. Like if Boyer's not coming back to the fourteen, I don't think he comes back to the sport. I don't think we see another Boyer in the eight Scott equipment. Like that was miserable yeah. times in his life. 
I agree. Um, Corey LaJoy supposedly has some sponsorship. And I hate that we're talking about this, by the way, but Rob Lopes educated us on this early last year about, you know, how, how the young cup driver thing has kind of changed where you used to put talent in the car and now it's talent and money. And I'm not sure if we're, if we're over to the money and then talent side or what, but Corey LaJoy supposedly has some sponsorship. I don't know where he's going to land. I don't know where Eric Jones is going to land. And I'm not a hundred percent sure Clint Boyer is going to, is going to be around in the 14. It's going to all come down to the wire. Like you said, I mean, they're going to be taking pictures sometime in November, Billy, for, for, for February. They better hurry the hell up. Rob Lopes, I want to talk real quick because we're going to talk about it a lot um, over the next year, but we're, we know 2022 is looming on the horizon. And basically these cars are, are going to be, I mean, I don't want to call them kit cars necessarily, but it's going to take a lot of uh, – is is there a lot of jobs going to get lost here uh, in NASCAR by going to this new body style in 2022? What, what, what's it going to look like for, for, for the teams and the, and the people working in the garage, Rob? Yes, you are going to see a massive workforce reduction in the NASCAR industry, and more so for the cup teams for the simple fact that your bigger teams, and when I say bigger teams, I mean your multi-car teams, and Ralph is included in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Penske, Hendrick, Joe Gibbs, Richard Childress, Roush, all build their own chassis. Yeah. Well, now that it is a spec chassis coming from an outside supplier from another vendor called Technique, well, now yeah. you no longer need a chassis department. Yeah. So you've got all these skilled welders and chassis builders that are going to be I mean, there'll they'll be a handful. It'll be a small percentage of those you keep to build components, but even most of your components are going to be outsourced. Yeah. So you're losing a lot of you're, – you're, you're going to lose a large chunk of workforce there. Um, on the other side, when it comes to the bodies, now you're going to a composite body, which we affectionately call them snap-togethers, yeah. where – you're not shaping metal. You're not welding steel. You're not doing any of that. You are, it's a composite body that gets pieced together. And you, yes, you do need labor for that, but it is a different skill set altogether. So yeah. some of your body, some of your more experienced body guys will probably hang on to their slots. And, but even, even your, even your body technicians are, are going to get decreased. Yeah. So, uh, you're going to see a huge workforce cut within the sport. That fucking sucks. You think, I mean, is it, I mean, the way you make it sound, it makes me think like it's 20% maybe of, of, of the shop, maybe, and that sucks. That's I not. It, I think, I think it depends on the organization, but yeah, you, we're not gotcha. talking one or two guys. We're talking in the team. Yeah. Team yeah. 20, yeah. you know, depend, depending on how large the organization is. Yeah, well, um, and 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 that's a big hit. And the thing of it is, is it's one of those things we can see it. Everybody in the sport sees it coming. We know it's going to happen. Yeah. And it and it's sad, uh, but what I I I don't think I fully understand the reasoning because mm-hmm. talking with folks that are more business savvy in this sport than than myself is the initial outlay is tremendous yeah. from a cash standpoint to get up and running with this new car. And 
from what I from what I've come to understand, like I said, talking with different people who I said who, like I said, are much smarter than me in the business side and very savvy. Let's say it, you, they feel like it's going to take five years get the to money recoup, back to recoup yeah. the money from from the outlay from getting rid of investment. X amount of people and the initial yeah. investment and buying all these chassis and all this stuff. And, you know, it's going to take five years to recoup that money. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, not to mention the fact of all these people that have devoted probably Decades. many years, yeah. many, exactly, many years to this sport and are craftsmen that are now going to be looking for work. Yeah. And it's, it's sad that that's the direction that the sport has taken for the simple fact is what you know there was there was a time when it, they were called stock cars because they were basically stock cars they were cars that were yeah bought off the bought off the, or you know gotten from the showroom modified yeah. and you know they look like they look like the cars are on the road and they've morphed into things well now we are morphing into a car that has little, i mean some of the components are similar Mm -hmm. But it looks – it is a complete change from the chassis you're used to looking at, a yeah. complete change from the components. Like basically, at the end of 2021, throw every notebook, every every note you have is worthless. Yeah. yeah. Worthless. Yeah. This is a sad day of, of – I mean, it's been sad, but as we get closer to it, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. And I would like to see, you know, the industry, you know, step up and and see if they can do some some placement or or something like of that nature. Because there's going to be a lot of good guys, and it's not. I mean, anybody that's at the cup level isn't a slouch for Christ's sakes, and it's going to hit the cup level hard first. And, you know, they may trickle down and get to some other, you know, some other teams. But fact of the matter is um, the, the guys on the, uh, uh, in the truck series and all that, I mean, hell, they may not be able to afford somebody with the, I mean, you get your start in the trucks. And so it's just, it's just not a good thing. As, you know, Billy and I have both <laughs> lost jobs, uh, lost jobs while we've known each other for Christ's sakes. And uh, um, it just, it's a, uh, I mean, shit. They, uh, most Americans know what it's like to do that, but it's coming in a in an industry that that's that's pretty damn. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. By the way, I just yeah. well, I just heard that uh, Mike Wallace lost his final appeal on his indefinite suspension, um, and uh, he, he needs to go to sensitivity training for something he posted on Facebook or something like that. I I, I don't. I, I don't want to revisit it because I don't even, I'm not sure. Mike Wallace isn't the smartest uh, bulb in the pack, uh, you know, so to speak and that sort of thing. But um, uh, it's, that's, I think that's interesting to note with, with where NASCAR is headed. Um, they, they're not putting up with, with a bunch of shit and they are, <laughs> they are, I mean, if they would, if NASCAR would, would rule that yellow fucking line, um, like they do Mike Wallace's damn Facebook posts. Shit, we wouldn't have any problems about this, um, about, about with that yellow line. Uh, and that's for sure. We lost Billy. Billy Billy ran out of juice. He's been on the golf course all day, Bob. So that's some bitch oh, probably something well, we'll burning. We'll finish up and he can, he can email us his picks. And <laughs> just for that, he goes last. 
Well, he texted me his picks, but you and I are going oh. first. That's a, that's a, no, we're going first, and and we'll give him uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll pick for him or he can text us later because um, uh, I'm not going to tell you who he picked. Uh, but, but listen, we, this is all to say we're going to the Roval, and there's weather in the area potentially um, – weather in the area potentially. Now, those – those chicanes and that sort of thing were not designed to drain. The oval is designed to drain. The chicanes are not. Rob, I guess we got four sets of rain tires from what I understand, but if there's puddling and that sort of stuff, they're not going to run the race when there's puddles, right? We're, if it's wet, that's one thing, but they're not going to run through puddles. Is that correct? Well, it's hard no? to say because, well, here's the thing, and, and you brought up an interesting point that I don't think a lot of people have thought about. Yes, we have rain tires. Yes, we will run the rain. And we had this to revisit a discussion we had when we went to the Droval because it's in Florida and it tends to rain there. And for the one time that we were in Florida, it doesn't rain while we were there. (laughs) Um, But the, the weather report is not positive as far as a dry race. Now that brings up those rain tires and I'm going to give you a little background on them. And I don't know if I visited this before or not, but those rain tires need moisture. And I mean, and I don't mean just oh, I just a little that. damp racetrack. I mean, mm-hmm. they we need a steady rain. You need water to keep them things gotcha. cool. Because as gotcha. soon as that track even starts to dry, those tires will just shrink. tires. Yeah, I, I didn't think especially, about that. It makes sense. Especially on the oval. Like you said, the yeah. banking in one and two and three and four, obviously the water is running downhill. Boom. Yeah. Well, yeah. Made, made to drain. So yeah. as soon as it if, if that rain stops, they'll hit they'll hit the banking, and by the time they get to that chicane, they will feel a difference in those tires because they will get hot fast. Yeah. And as soon as you knock the edge, and all it takes is a little heat. As soon as you knock the edge off those treads, that mm-hmm. changes the grip all seriously, and they blister very quickly. Like you will have to search out a pedal a puddle to cool them off. I got you. That makes like, you know what that's be, interesting. It's going to be cra- like it's going to be crazy. It will be yeah. crazy because just because of the banking. Well, I, listen, I, Rob. I got to be honest with you. This is one of the most fascinating things you've ever of all the fascinating things you've told me here. This may be the most fascinating because I hadn't considered the fact that that tire. Uh, you know, when it gets on the – so the ovals may be dry, and it may be wet down a little bit on the uh, – to the chicane and on the road course, and they may get too hot. This is it. I oh, man, listen, I don't want to wish rain on you, but I have never seen a cup car run in the rain, and I'm going to wish rain on you because I'd like to see a little bit. I'd like to see a rain tire on a damn cup car, even if it's only two laps. But now that I know that there's this tire dynamic, I'm I'm sure you're probably looking open for dry sunshine. But I, I'm a little anxious yeah. to see if we can get some uh, um, some craziness in there. Speaking of craziness, um, the 18 buddy, he's out. And and we were talking off the air, and you made a great point about the 18. He could point if 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 this was the the oval, it may be it may be different for him. He may have to go for the win. But now that it's the roval, you made the point, Rob, that Hey, there's a lot of things that happen at the Roval. So if other yeah. people, if the right people get in trouble, he could potentially point his way in. Yes. Yes. And but let's not take away from the fact that that Kyle Busch is also a very good road course racer. No. You can't take that away from him. And yes, some he can point his way in if some cats in front of him have very bad days. Yeah. Now he ha- yeah. now don't get me wrong. He has to have a good day, but he. If the 88 
gets in gets in a bad way early and mm-hmm. ends up many laps down where he might finish in the thirties. Yeah. That that changes everything for that eighteen car and that eighteen team. Yeah. Changes everything. I mean he yeah. has to have a good day and he needs to have a good day and he can very well win that race. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't take that away from him. But yes, of all the people you would think that would be on the outside looking in, he is not the one I would have picked. Yeah. yeah I mean neither. Like you said earlier, this is a. Uh, I mean, this is 2020. Why? Why wouldn't we have the the goofiest, silly season and stuff like this? Stuff like this happen. And this is this is madness. I I I, I mean, if it's if, if I don't know what the Vegas Vegas probably didn't even have an odd. Um, and they didn't have a line on Kyle Busch not winning a race. I don't think it's. I mean, yeah. we still got a few races to go. But to be this, who would think? Yeah, who would have thought? doesn't make sense and and I, we still got some races left but they they definitely man i mean he could win any time we know that but my goodness when it, when we're on the track it doesn't seem like it, he's not a happy camper in there he's always up front he's but shit he's never up front at the end and it's just a it's just a it's a very interesting dynamic and the roval is not a place you would go and and hope for you know you're like that's not a good place <laughs> That's a tough racetrack, and and it's tough yeah. because everybody else is tough on everybody, and and you can just be driving along and get and get whacked out. So it's, I, this is, I mean, I, listen, man, I, I'm getting too old for this shit, but I love this shit. I mean, we yeah. the, the cutoff races that we're having is amazing. By the way, they're Great. going to be fans in uh, Martinsville, Virginia. Rob Lopes is going to be fans at Martinsville, Virginia. Um, there's going to be limited, but they're going to have them on all three race nights, which is good. It also makes sense because we're getting close to the presidential election, and Virginia probably is getting ready to end their COVID problems. Um, uh, <laughs> probably going to get. I mean, November November fourth, the COVID won't be a thing anymore. We'll, we're all going to just decide to live with it, I guess. But uh, I'm excited for all the fans that had tickets for Martinsville. Uh, looks like you're going to get to. Um, hopefully, you're going to get in and get to see a, a good race. I like the Roval. Um, I, I thought it might be gimmicky when it first came out, but it's absolutely a, a good race. It's a fun race because of the strategy and everything that can happen. Uh, and and now that I know about this tire and and blistering and I, dude, I can't. Whew, I'm super yeah. excited. Rob Loves, you're going to go first with your pick tonight, son. Who who are you going to take to win, and who are you going to take for your, for your dark horse? Wow, to go first. Well, yeah. the dark horse is going to be the 18. Okay, that's um, a good pick. I'm going, to get, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that pick in right now. As far as winning that road course race, I mean, wow. Um, it'd be hard, you know, with the streak he's on. It's hard to go against the nine. Yeah. So I it think is. I'm going to pick the nine. I think I'm going to pick the nine and the eighteen. Good pick. I mean, I I thought I was solid last week picking the nine, and and he he looked pretty good there until the very end, and I. That that young man, um, he's still in this hunt, and I think he wants everybody to know those are two damn good picks, dude. Uh, I I don't know how I can not take. Um, I mean, when I think of of this, you know, these these road courses. I mean, Jimmy Johnson's a badass on on yeah, on road sure. courses. Uh, he's he's due, and uh, that's who Billy Billy Bradley wanted to take. Billy Bradley wanted to take the fourteen and the forty eight. I'm not sold on the forty eight here yet, but I'm gonna take. For if I'm looking at winners, you know, um, uh, shit, um, young uh, young Ryan Blaney won the initial, the inaugural one. He's been right. close. I he's 
I think he wants people to know that he's he's still in NASCAR. I'm really wanting to take him. The 22 has punted every fucking buddy on the in the garage. I think this season, and I don't know that he. Can, I, I would pick the 22, but I'm not sure he can make it through this race. There's tons of people ready to get back at that son bitch that are already out of the chase uh, or the or the playoffs. I don't know that he's going to make it through. Brad Keselowski wouldn't be a good pick, I, but it's hard for me to pick. Um, and, and it's also hard for me to pick Kevin Harvick because there's just way too many, um, way too many good. Now, like road courses, you used to get a road course ringer. Well, now that's that's not really a thing anymore. Uh, right. If I have to pick one, and, and I do, and I'm I'm beating around the bush, I, I'm going to take Young Ryan Blaney. I'm going to take the 12 as my right. as my winner, and I'm going to take 48. I I want and basically. He's a good road course road guy, Rob. You know that, but I mm-hmm. want the forty-eight to fucking win. I, I I've yeah. not liked that guy for a lot of his years. I want Jimmy Johnson in victory lane, the seven-time champion, maybe the only one. He I mean, maybe the last one I ever see, Rob Lopes. Who knows? But yeah. um, I mean, those are special, special things. I, I think he can do it. I want him to do it with the announcement that they've now got somebody taking his number. I think he – this may be – there's no more pressure on that guy anymore. Um, all the news has been done. There's nothing yet to announce except just a, his last race. I'm going with the 48. That means like Billy that. Bradley is taking the 14. He's going to have to pick another <laughs> – he's going to have to pick another car because I took – he's going to have to pick another horse because I, I took that one uh, uh, right away. But – Rob, thank you so much for, for dropping the knowledge on that rain tire. I love it. I appreciate your insight there on the Tower yeah, Dagger race. Sunday's, Sunday's race is going to be exciting, and we touched on this before, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but just no, another thing. Uh, again, we have the potential for NASCAR Cup cars to, mm. to race in the rain for the first time in the United States. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. That I've never seen it happen. I'd love to see it. I mean, I've seen, I, I, I think I've seen just about everything in NASCAR, and I, I sure would love, like to see that and scratch it off the list. For Billy yeah. Bradley, whose drunk ass is hopefully taking a shower and going to bed. Uh, for Rob Lopes, <laughs> I'm Dado. Rob, have a good time staying home this week, and um, get up front yep. there and see what, what you can make happen. I appreciate it, Dan. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Bye.